Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast called Here to Help. I am the host and my name is Jessica Gwynn and I am going to be reading two entries today from the letters that I have written to my brother. Just a short recap, I am doing this podcast so that I can help those that are going through a loss or a a traumatic loss of someone that they love. And I really hope that me opening up and giving such detail about how much this affected me that it will be able to help others that are experiencing the same thing. And unfortunately, whether you've been dealing with the grief of losing someone for years or it's only been days, if you haven't found that outlet and that way to cope, it can be pretty hard. So... I just felt like this was necessary and I've always wanted to do something with the letters that I've written my brother and it just kind of a light bulb went off one day about starting this podcast and you know reading the letters that I've written and getting into further detail about them and explaining them in further detail so that those that can relate to it will feel connected um, to somebody and not maybe not feel like they're alone. So today I'm going to be reading two entries, as I said, from the letters that I've written to my brother. Today I will read from December 8th and December 10th. And as I said, then I will get into that further detail and talk a little bit more about each of the letters. December 8th. Today was a really hard day. I could not stop crying. I'm just starting to take in the realization that this is forever and how I wish I was able to change it. Then I made the mistake of going through our text messages together. November 1st was the day you had the panic attack. Dad is the one who called and told me. You asked him to leave work early because you felt like you couldn't breathe. I called a mental health facility that recommended Mather Hospital. When I called and spoke to you, you were cold and told me that you weren't going, in quotes, that you were fine. It wasn't until I started to cry that you changed your tone. You yelled, cried, and had all sorts of emotions, but our talk was then a decent one. I felt like I had gotten to you. You promised me two things. One, to go back to counseling that I had recommended for you to go to, and two, 
to stay with me whenever you needed to get out of mom and dad's house. The text from after our phone call, you said, in quotes, I'm sorry I upset you. I think we need to have a brother-sister talk. I love you, Jess. I just reread this today and could literally feel my heart being ripped apart. Why didn't I go there that night to have that talk? I agreed and I said I wanted to talk, but it just never happened. I cannot take the heaviness of this fact. What if this talk made you feel differently? I do not know if it would have made a difference, but the fact that it may have is literally causing me physical pain. I cannot take this pain, so I'm just crying and crying. I'm screaming out loud how sorry I am. I am so sorry, Christopher. I am so sorry that I failed you. I am so fucking sorry that you felt this alone enough to kill yourself. December 10th. I woke up this morning from a dream at 5.30 a.m. because Camilla was up. You were there for a while in my dream, joking around. Doesn't surprise me because that's how you always were. Next, we were at mom's. I was on the end of the couch where I always sit. You came in from the back hallway like you always did. I said to you, as if to get you to want to come back, Camilla misses you. And you replied, I miss her too, Sika. You said this so matter-of-fact and in like a comforting, like, it's going to be okay way. I went back to sleep and then I dreamt that I was in a bathtub, like as a child. This is weird to even write, but you were in it too. It was not a sexual dream. You could not see anything, nor could I, but you kept saying, I'm going to do it while laughing. I was laughing too because it was just a typical Chris thing. In an awkward situation that you turned into a funny one, you were going to splash me. Then the dream switched to you in front of me sitting with mom. I was so far enough away that I could run over to you in excitement. I cannot describe in words what it was like to see you. I hugged you and it felt so comforting like I was home. Before I hugged you, you were talking to mom. She was telling you excitedly how she's been praying for you. After I hugged you, I started to cry, and I asked you if you were happier there than you were here. I don't remember a clear answer. When I woke up, I felt like you were saying, like, I really can't answer that. I'm not sure if these dreams were definitely a visit from you, but it's the first time I have seen you since everything happened. It was nice to see your face, feel your hug, and hear you say Sika. I remember this first day 
pretty vividly. It was a really hard day for me and I could not stop crying. Not only was it just shy of a month after losing my brother, but um, it was at that time where I guess it was just starting to really like sink in that this is going to be forever and I will never get to see him again. I would like to believe and I try really hard to believe um, and keep that faith of knowing that, you know, one day I will see him again, but in the physical sense of, you know, where I am now, I know that I will never see him again. So once you start coming to this realization and I know it might sound silly that like all right it was almost a month later like you're just starting to you know come to this realization now I mean it might be different for others but I feel like anybody that loses someone in the traumatic way that I did it can take a long time before you can actually accept that this is happening and this happened And then you can even accept like, okay, this happened, but still not really allow yourself to accept that it's forever and it's not just for right now. So going over that, that text message and that day of what happened was a really hard one for me because for multiple reasons, um, I was angry because of the things that he had promised me and I remember crying on the phone and being like Chris please just promise me promise me that you know we'll do this together you know I'll help you or you know if you need to get out of the house you can come stay at my house I told him that he could move in and I would give him my son's room and you know I would act like he wasn't even there if he wanted me to And I told him that the only rule I had was that he wasn't going to drink in my house. And I remember he was like, well, no, yeah, of course. And he promised that he would always come to me if he needed me. And he promised me that he was going to go back to counseling. And I mean, it might sound stupid to hold on to that promise, but the relationship that my brother and I had you know, like that promise meant so much to me that I did kind of feel betrayed after everything happened and like, like you broke your promise. Um, I remember when I read the text about when we hung up from that phone call and he had said, you know, I'm sorry, I upset you. And even now, like reading it back, like, he's apologizing to me when he was going through this crazy thing um so he was still thinking of me and how he upset me and I think we need to have that brother sister talk and that he loves me so again for multiple reasons those 
three sentences were like a knife to the heart. After his passing and reading this, again, that realization that like I will never be able to have that talk with him ever again. I'll never be able to have that talk ever. And knowing that I didn't go there that night, it really, and it's, I'm going to be honest, it still does. Like, it still makes me emotional that I didn't go there that night. And selfishly, part of me didn't want to go there because with my brother and his emotional state, he was kind of all over the place and you know I have my own anxieties and my own sensitivities and sometimes I would be afraid of how he was going to react to something that I said and because we were so close I didn't want him to shut me out so that was part of the reason why I guess I didn't get in the car that night um, I also had two kids to take care of so you know it's not the only reason but I hated myself and like I said, I still kind of do for letting my insecurities and um, anxieties control whether or not I went over there that night. And as I said in the letter, you know, I have no idea if that talk would have changed anything. But just to know that I could have maybe made him feel a little bit more supported it really really hurts but these are the things that a lot of people go through when they lose someone especially to suicide I feel um, is that you have those those guilty moments I think I've mentioned them before you have that guilt of like well you know if I would have done this, maybe he wouldn't have felt this way. So it's hard it's hard to, to try and push it out of your brain. Like, you know, no, it doesn't mean it would have changed anything. Because right away, that you know, it's like, well, what if it did? Um, I remember sitting at my dining room table. And as I said in the letter, which was not a lie, I literally was by myself, um, think my daughter was sleeping upstairs and I was hysterical crying like not screaming on the top of my lungs but talking out loud like I am so sorry Chris and I remember screaming it at my table like he could hear me and then my dream that I had on the 10th Again, I can still remember the feeling of waking up and being like, oh my God, that sucks that that was a dream, but holy shit, was it so nice to see him. Like, it's like, you know, when you go on vacation or you have to go away for work and you come home and you see your family again. It's like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to see their face. And, you know, you see them, and it's such a good feeling. Uh, It makes me emotional, but that's exactly how I felt seeing him in my dream. 
because to me it it was a visit from him and I could still feel the hug that he gave me and the smile on his face and as I said in my letter like hearing him say Sika because that's what he used to call me um and the bathtub dream I have to bring this up because it's <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing but um it was it was it's if if you know my brother it's something typical he loved to make people laugh but even if it was like something uncomfortable he was the one that was going to say it so that's why I really felt like this was a visit from him um trying to make it where like for me to describe this dream would make me uncomfortable but it's funny um but yeah we were both sitting in like a tub and like I said you couldn't see anything I couldn't see anything it wasn't like that it was almost as if like reenacting like when we were kids and like he was gonna splash me and you know he was laughing and being stupid like he always was um but like I said in the letter it's an awkward situation that he turned into a funny one and that's something that he definitely would do um and then um the, the other part of the dream where as I walked over I heard my mom talking to him and she was excited telling him like I've been praying for you which I thought was weird because of how my mom told me um, around my birthday I think it was the last episode of this podcast that I explained that how my mom was telling me that she had just you know she had been praying for him and And then when I asked him, you know, are you happier where you are now? I think because that's something that I really struggled with. Like, he was so unhappy here. You know, I wanted to know, is he happier where he is now? Is he happy that he did what he did? And for a variety of reasons, you know, one, like almost jealous of wherever he is you know jealous that he wanted to be there more than he wanted to be here and then the other side of it is you know I once I knew that he did what he did it's your heart hurts for them and thinking how much pain he must have felt to be able to do that to himself so then like I said, the other side of it would be like, you know, I hope he's happier where he is now. And, you know, he released that pain. So I always welcome the dreams that I have of him. And I haven't had one in a while. Um, They kind of started to be like scattered, like here or there. But when I wake up in the morning and I know I've had one of those dreams, it's just such a good feeling because you long, you long to, and you know, yearn to see these people that you've lost. And even in a dream, it's like a special gift that, you know, you get to see them and interact with them. And even if it's something your own mind is making up and it's not a visit, it's still something special to me because 
I still go through my spurts like this morning I woke up and I you know was looking at like videos and memories came up and you know I see his face and I still think like God the rest of my life I won't see him like oh my gosh he's not here so those dreams are something that are are nice to have so as always to conclude the episode for tonight I would just like to thank everyone that has reached out about the podcast or for anyone that hasn't reached out but you know took a listen and I hope that this episode was something that was able to help someone and I would like to end again with a positive quote This is something that I saw on Facebook, and the quote says, You are allowed to scream, you are allowed to cry, but do not give up on life. So I just liked this quote because I felt like, ironically, I found it um, before I started making the episode, and I think it's ironic because it does fit with exactly what I was speaking on tonight. So, I, you know, I wish my brother didn't give up on his life. I don't know. I'd like to think that I knew a little bit about what was going on with him, but obviously I didn't know how, how much of the pain he was feeling. But I still wish that he didn't give up. You know, he's allowed to scream, he's allowed to cry, but I wish that there was something that I could have done or he could have done for himself to not feel like he had to give up. And I just hope that others will see that they don't have to give up, that there's other options and there are other ways of coping with the pain that we can feel and if anyone ever needs a friend or someone to talk to and I truly mean this I hope that they know that I would be there for them so I hope tonight the readings and the episode resonated with you And I thank you for listening, and I hope that you come back next week to listen for more. Thank you.